Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have an awesome conversation with the United States Air Force Academy graduate, Kimberly Spate. Y'all, she actually reached out to the Academy prior to our conversation just to confirm that one of her stories did not contain certain classified information. That is definitely a first here on Tell Us a Good Story. Yes, it is. I'm glad she got that clearance because the stories from her time at the Academy were absolutely fantastic. And one of the stories she told us even won her award from the Toastmasters International Club. Can't wait for you guys to hear this episode with Kimberly Spate. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. All right, Steph. It's finally happening with this next guest Mm -hmm. as we've been in contact with her for, gosh, almost two months now. And so we're finally able to do this. It's going to be so much fun because we just talked and she might be one of our first guests that she has classified information that she had to get permission (laughs) to talk to us. Got it unclassified. She had unclassified classified information, (laughs) which is so freaking cool. So friends, our next guest is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy. After serving our country, she became an author, professional speaker, executive coach, and a relationship expert. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Mrs. Kimberly Spate. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you. Oh, we're so excited. Yes, thank you for saying yes to us. And like a few of other guests... Our good friend now, Mr. Joe Serio. Freaking Joe Serio. Can I just say how much I love that man? (laughs) I love Joe. Joe has become like not only a guest on our show a couple of times, but now I can truly say he's our friend. I would love him to come over and hang out with us. We've already had dinner with him. I just love Joe. Yes. And so he sent us an introductory email. And I think you listened to a couple episodes or whatever. And it, it didn't scare you off. So that's good. That's good. Yes. Yeah, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I've been on quite a few. And I'm telling you, listening to your podcast, it was very free flowing, very natural. Whereas I have heard some and even one that kind of famous people that you actually pay to get on their show. And I listened to it. And I thought, Oh, that sounds kind of stilted and not really that engaging. I mean, y'all are far above that. I I just have to tell you, I mean, God has really equipped y'all. And you really make people feel comfortable. Just with the emails with you and I, Kevin, just kind of getting a little feel for a little bit of your personality. So yeah, God is really using you and he's equipped you. Oh, thank thank you. you. So let's just start off with... We're going to go to the beginning. Let's go to the Air Force Academy. Yes. Okay. What led you to the U.S. Air Force Academy? That is incredibly prestigious. Thank you for that. Yes, thank you for for serving our country. What what led you there? It was my pleasure. Well, first of all, I'd have to say I'm probably one of the most unlikely people to have gone to the Air Force Academy because I didn't really know much about any of the military academies until I was in a science class in high school. And a friend of mine had done really well on the PSAT, which is one of those entrance tests that you take. And she got invited to go out to Annapolis 
to check out the Naval Academy. And she came back in one of our science classes. She was given the opportunity to share a little bit about the academies. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know anything like that existed. And so I started doing some research on the academies and I applied to the Air Force Academy. I applied to the Naval Academy. I had the application for West Point. But, but to be honest with you, I got tired of filling out the paperwork. So I didn't get through that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I did not really know that much about the military at all. I just thought, hey, it's a great opportunity. I want to do something different. Why not? So there was a girl in my high school. She got accepted to the U.S. Air Force Academy. And I didn't realize everything involved with that. So she went out there and she went through all this boot camp and all this training, survival skills. Did you know that it was even part of this program when you signed up? I probably knew that there was like a boot camp to go to, but I had no concept of how hard that was. I had no idea what I was getting into. So what were you getting into? Like, what was your daily regimen as soon as you stepped foot on campus? Uh, what happened? Culture shock, I'm yes. sure. Oh my gosh. Yes, indeed. It was a culture shock. That first day, you're in lines to, you know, get issued all of your uniforms, you're in line to, you know, get your hair measured, make sure it's short enough, you're in line for everything. Yeah, so we're getting, I have these two duffel bags, and I'm going through these different lines, and you're putting different things in these bags, you get your boots, and you're getting issued all these things. So somewhere between when I arrived and lunch, things got really serious. So at lunch... <laughs> At lunch, you know, you, by lunch time, you're starting to pull chins and you're not talking to anybody. And yeah, it was really, really, really interesting. And I remember thinking as my duffel bags were getting, you know, more and more full, I'm thinking these are starting to get a little heavy. And I was getting towards the end of the day and we were going to have to go over to the dorm. And I, by this time, I knew that our dorm was going to be on the sixth floor. So all, and, and you weren't allowed to use elevators. And I just remember thinking, who's going to carry my bags? <laughs> Where's the where's the concierge at here in the lobby? Hello, these are heavy. Uh, excuse me. I would have loved to have seen the commanding officer if you would have asked that question. <laughs> She's just waiting down on the first floor. I was like, hello, hello. And then, okay, so then it's like, so after you know you're there and you start to get a clue of how things are working, but you don't really know yet. So you're, we're supposed to walk up against the wall. So your shoulder is actually supposed to go right up against the wall. There's not supposed to be any space and people are yelling at you. And I just remember thinking, if you could just tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. I promise I'll do it, but just tell me, you don't have to yell at me. <laughs> oh. I love Steph, it. I didn't even think about that. Going to the academy, you don't pack anything for college, do you? I mean, maybe a picture, but... Yeah, do you pack anything? Well, I had a bag. I had like one suitcase and then they take everything, right? Because it's civilian clothes. So you're able to have it there, but most of it, you end up putting it into a trunk in a room. You're not allowed to use any of it. So yeah, I don't know why we even brought civilian clothes. Because you get issued everything, like your, your right. PT, your, you even get issued clothing to wear uh, on the weekends, you know, your casual wear, it's it's issued. You get issued clothing, everything was a uniform that whole first year. How about your undergarments? Did they issue that too? They did. Really? Yeah. Talk about a change in life. Real quick. Real quick. Hello, friends. We just wanted to take a moment here to say thank you to all of you loyal listeners. That's right. We just found out that Tell Us a Good Story is now in the top 2% of all 
podcasts worldwide. And that's because of you sharing us with your family and friends on social media and giving us positive reviews on the Apple Podcast app and all the other platforms. So please keep it up. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. When you're at the Air Force Academy, is it just standard procedure? You're going to have to jump out of a plane. Is that how that works? So, so I got assigned this summer program. It's called Free Fall. And I was the type of person that didn't turn something down once you got assigned it. And it's not like what you think, or at least what you see on television, where, you know, you know, you're jumping out of a perfectly good airplane is what you're doing. So to me, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But this was about the time that I began to realize actually that I had a fear of heights. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's really ironic. So I, I picked the Air Force Academy over the Navy and I get there and realize that I have this fear. So anyway, when you when you jump at the academy, like I said, it's not like what you see on TV. So you don't get to jump with a buddy because when I watch TV now and I see people jumping, they're jumping with their friends. Right. And they're in a circle having a party. And it's nothing like that. That is so unrealistic. This is Hollywood right here. Not my experience at all. So you jump by yourself in free fall. You pull your own rip cord. There are some programs that you don't have to pull your rip cord because the chute will automatically open. But in my program, you pull your own rip cord. So I look at it as you, you know, you really got to put your big boy pants on. And so before you actually get to that part though, there's a lot of ground training that you have to do to get yourself prepared for that very first jump. They teach you even a little bit about landmarks and what to look for. So they told me during ground training, they said, there's a sewage treatment plant way far north, but don't worry about it because it's way far north. So they teach just about everything you need to know to have a successful first jump. Okay. Now I told you I was afraid of heights. So as we were going up for that very first jump, I said a rather unusual prayer. So it kind of went like this, dear Lord Jesus, please let there be something wrong with this plane. (laughs) (laughs) let there be an engine failure, a fire. I really don't care what it is, but just please let this plane come back to earth with me still in it. Yeah, that that didn't happen, right? So so shortly after I finished my prayer, then the jump master called for me. And so the way they would call for you, they would just say, stand in the door. And that's your cue to come and get into the door. So the the door is open, right? And you assume the position so that you can jump out. So you kind of get this down on one knee, a hand, and the other hand is up and the leg is up so that when you go out, you can kind of come out in a stable position. But I remember thinking as I was standing in the door, actually kneeling, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I hope I don't fall out of this plane. Kind of silly because as soon as he taps you, then you go, you're, you're out. When they teach you in ground training, they teach you to do a slow count to 10 so that when you, when you actually come out of the plane, you can fall kind of stable. So you're supposed to just slap your legs and then you raise your arms kind of at a steady rate and a slow count to 10. So it's supposed to go 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. You get this nice arch in your back so that you can fall kind of stable. Uh, but my count went more like 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. I didn't get to 10. I didn't get stable. So in retrospect, there was probably a couple of good reasons why they wanted me to get to a, count, a slow count of 10. One, if you think about it, you need to clear the aircraft. So if you're coming down slowly to 10, the aircraft is getting a chance to leave and there's more distance. But yeah, since I only got to three, I was just very lucky that my... <laughs> My parachute didn't get sucked up. Uh, and then probably two, so you get closer to the drop zone. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
details, details. I know, minor, right? minor details. Kimberly, yeah. <laughs> so I never did see that drop zone, but what I did see was a sewage treatment plant that was way <laughs> far north that I was never supposed to see. So things look different. <laughs> Things look different from the air, though. So from 10,000 feet in the air, what I saw when I looked down and realized it was a sewage treatment plant, it looked like one of those old time slide projectors. Do you know the ones where the slides are dropping one by one? Right. But instead of slides dropping, they look like metal blades. Oh, yeah, exactly. What I thought in my head, I was like, oh, great. I'm going to land in the sewage treatment plant and I'm going to get chopped up and I'm going to be buried in a pile of you know what. Right. (laughs) So that's when I actually started to hear some voices in my head that said, Kimberly, uh, I think you better get out of here. <laughs> so I obeyed those voices. So I, so they taught us how to steer, to steer the chute, because I had one of those types of chutes that you could actually steer. So when I heard that message in my head, I thought, steer, 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 steer. So I was just steering as frantically as I could to kind of get away from the sewage treatment plant. So as soon as I got away from the sewage treatment plant and felt like I was pretty safe, then I started to look down again to try to figure out, okay, where am I supposed to land? So the next thing I saw below me was, of course, Highway I-25. <laughs> yeah. And again, everything up there, it looks like it's, it looks like it's a lot, lot closer. So then I thought, okay, great. I'm going to do a perfect parachute landing fall. And then a big semi is going to just flatten me out. <laughs> so then the voices again told me, Kim, you better get out of here. So I'm like, just, 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 I'm like steering frantically trying to get away from I-25. So I got myself going again in a different direction away from the highway. And so as I'm coming down now, I'm trying to find, again, that ever elusive drop zone because I just can't, you know, just can't seem to find it. As I'm coming down, there's a grove of trees. So then I think back to ground training, which they did teach us, parachute landing in trees. Okay, cover the eyes, protect the throat, cover the face. But then I thought, but just in case, I'm like (laughs) frantically trying to get away from that imminent danger. And now as I'm getting closer and closer to the ground, all of a sudden there was this little stream. But to me, it looked like this big river just kind of rising up to meet me. And so then I thought parachute landing in water. I'm supposed to jettison my shoes, swing the lines and then swim to safety. That's all I could think of. right? Because you go over that in training. So all of a sudden this is coming back to me very, very quickly. So I actually did land with my feet on the ground but my shoot was actually in a tree. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I, my shoot's up in a tree, my feet are on the ground, and this truck just kind of zooms up to me. And all of these instructors get out and they're kind of frantic and they're looking at me uh, and they're going, Cadet Johnson, what were you doing? And then I just rather calmly at that point said to them, well, if I knew that, would my shoot be in a tree? <laughs> 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 so that's the story of my first jump. I lived to tell about it. I got a chance to jump a couple more times after that. All right, Steph, I got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh. What's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> A distant second. <laughs> totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty it good was. book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes, and? And our website, KevinAndSteph.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us 
If you can give us a review on amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. After hearing that story, uh-huh. granted, this is one of my fun facts about Kimberly here, but can you tell that she has won Toastmasters humorous speech contest? <laughs> I can totally see that. Yes. So when you won that award, is that the story that you shared? It is actually. Yes. I totally get that because the length is good, but then just your reactions. That was absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you. You know, I'd like to take the credit to say that I'm this humorous, but this is actually what I was thinking as I was going through that. <laughs> so with her being a mom to two kids? Yes, two sons. Can you imagine like as her sons are growing up and thinking they've got it tough? Kimberly, like, boys, let me tell you something. Like, you think you're tough? Let me tell you a story about old mom here and what she had to go through at boot camp at Air Force Academy. I mean, you got the cool mom award. That's right. for sure. Oh, thank you. So did you meet your husband there at the Academy as well? I actually did. Is there a good story about that? Well, I actually have a couple of stories about that experience. Yes! Please share. You have our attention, Kimberly. You totally have our attention. Okay, okay. So for seven years, my husband and I told the story that I met my husband, right, over a philosophy paper. But I had actually met him before. Uh Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. We had been married for four years. Joel and I were in our living room. Joel was sitting on the couch. I was sitting on the floor. My nine-month-old son was on the floor playing. Okay. Uh, We began to kind of compare notes of the things that we did at the academy before we met. And as we started to peel the onion back, we were, we were shocked, shocked, I tell you, about what we found out. So he asked, when did you have Siri? Now, Siri is a three-week training program that everyone goes through at the Air Force Academy. And it's supposed to prepare you for if you are, find yourself behind enemy lines. Now, Siri stands for survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. Okay. The first part is survival training where you're living off the land. So you've got to figure out, you've got to forage for food. You've got to, you know, you eat what you can kill, what you can find. Second part is the evasion part where you're supposed to evade the enemy. So like if you're shot down behind enemy lines, you're supposed to be really quiet. You're supposed to try to figure out how do you get to safety. The third part is resistance. And that's when you're in a mock prisoner of war camp. Okay. So it's like you've been captured you're a prisoner of war, and your job is to try to escape from the prisoner of war camp. So Joel told me that he was part of the cadre second period. So essentially, he was a camp guard. And that's when the realization hit us that I would have gone through his camp. So then we were trying to figure out, did we have any interactions together? Now, when you're going through as a prisoner of war in in these mock camp, you're not allowed to really look at your captors. You're supposed to keep your head low. It's like bow head low. So you can't really see who your captors are. Okay. So the role of the guards is to try to break the will of the captors. My role as a captive was to uphold the Geneva Convention. So I wasn't supposed to give out anything more than name, rank, serial number, and date of birth. So I devised a plan. And I was going to fake brain damage. And I got to tell you, it was a brilliant, brilliant plan. (laughs) So I was thinking, yeah, let them try to get some information out of me. I don't think it's going to happen. So it took me a full minute when somebody would ask me what my name was. It took me a full minute to get out my name, let alone my rank and serial number. So it worked. Nobody, none of the camp guards wanted to talk to me at all. Okay. So (laughs) So you literally fake brain damage this entire time. 
Yeah. So if you go, if you go into some type of, you've got to maintain it the whole time. So yeah, yes. I did not break out of character. I had brain damage. So this was um, back in 1984. So this would have been during the Cold War. So if we had gone to war, it would have been with Russia. Okay. So just give you that for context. So late one night, one of the guards wanted to play a joke on Joel. So he opened the door to my cell and my cell was more like a wooden outdoor wooden box, kind of like you're in isolation. So he opened my door and then he signaled for me to come to him. I was barefoot and I was in my prison garb. And remember, I just had finished the evasion part of Siri. So I hadn't showered in a few days and my hair was a mess. Okay. And the guard led me over to the fence perimeter. And this is where he called out to his buddy who was on guard doing perimeter watch. He said, Comrade Spitsky, I have wifey for you. That was a much truer statement than both Joe or I knew at the time, right? So, so I'm over at the, at the perimeter of the light. There's like a, a light shining down on me and my head's down low. So again, I, I can't see anybody, but you can just imagine how I must have looked. I couldn't see my captor's face because my head was down. So Comrade Spitsky said, what is your name, Winchi? And I proceeded to tell him in my best impersonation of someone who has just suffered brain damage. I said, my name is Kimberly. Well, let me tell you, it was a little bit more exaggerated and complete with facial expressions. And that is about all I could get out before Comrade Spitzky yelled, that's a stupid, stupid winchy. Bring me smart, smart winchy. Take her away from me. But that, that y'all is really how I met my husband the first time, which we did not realize until he and I were sitting in our living room after being married for four years and we're playing with my son. Wow. And what a great scheme to get through that. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant, Kimberly. (laughs) That is so good. Thank you. Okay, so Steph, let me go through these real quick with you. So graduate of United States Air Force Academy, like we talked about, she was a teacher for 10 years at Spate Academy. Yes. (laughs) Spate Academy is her homeschooling, her two sons from kindergarten through ninth grade, and she named her Academy. I love that. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, wait, is she a homeschool mom? Is she a homeschool mom? That's exactly what she was. You are so awesome. I love that. I don't think that y'all knew all of that. (laughs) (laughs) She is the Austin chapter president of the National Speakers Association, Sergeant of Arms at Toastmasters International. And like I said, she won the Humorous Speech Contest Award a few years ago. And of course, she is an author of this book titled, I Need to Know You. And I think that's very fascinating, that title, I Need to Know You, because Kimberly, those are the exact words that my wife said to me the night that she met me. I am pretty sure those are the exact words, Steph. No, Faith, that was funny. I'm pretty sure. That was good. So you met 100 new people in 100 days and then documented it, right? I did. How did that work? Can you please share that with us? Oh, my gosh. That was a pretty amazing experience. It changed my life. I initially started to do it because when I work with the senior military executives that are transitioning out of the military into the civilian world, it's really important that they find their new tribe because often your network is where your help is going to come from. So I started teaching in this course that I teach with them on practical steps to networking. And so you want to make sure that you're applying the things that you teach. And I just thought it would be a great idea. Well, if I can meet 100 people in 100 days, well, then surely you can go out and meet 15 or 20. 
So that's really why I took up the challenge. It was really for accountability. So I just started applying the things that I had been teaching, just really being intentional about the people that came across my path. So I met people as I went about my life. If I was going to the grocery store, I met people at the grocery store. If I was going to the coffee shop, I met them there. If I was getting my oil changed, it was really literally as I went about my life, just paying attention as people came across my path, what could I, what could I connect with somebody over? And the things that people were willing to share just really, really warmed my heart. And I learned a lot going throughout that journey. So people would just automatically open up to you as a stranger. You just met them a few minutes ago and just start sharing very personal details with you. Well, they would, but perfect example. Like if I was, if I was at a coffee shop, I would sit down at a communal table because I figured, well, if somebody else is sitting at a communal table, they're at least open to somebody sitting down beside you. So I would sit down. And then if we had eye contact and if the other person smiled, then we that was game on. We were going to have a conversation. And then I would, after we started chatting for a little bit, I would let them know that I was doing a challenge and would they be open to being a part of my challenge? So I would invite them to be a part of the challenge and uh, let them know that I was going to write a book and all of that. So yeah, people were very willing to you know share their lives with me. And I just felt really privileged and honored to be able to hear their stories. What was the favorite story that you learned from somebody in this challenge? Let's see, they're all, they were all so important, right? But I think one that really changed how I went about my challenge happened very early on. It was probably about the fifth person I met. And one of the first things he said was that one of his ancestors had died at the Battle of Franklin fighting for the Confederate Army. And I was really surprised to hear that. He followed that up very quickly with, he said, I learned that I can acknowledge my family's heritage without carrying their flag. And that spoke volumes to me. That said, Kimberly, maybe you want to understand where somebody's coming from, perhaps in order to understand their perspective and on, you know, on a given topic. And the other thing it told me was don't prejudge people because Joel is a, he's probably, you know, six, two, six, three has this big gruffy beard. So he was a very big gruffy looking person. And I could have made a lot of assumptions about him. And so it taught me don't prejudge and don't make assumptions because you never know what somebody's story is going to be until you sit down and listen to them. A hundred percent. That's good. Because we've talked about this stuff where just some of the health issues we've gone through. Mm -hmm. When you look at somebody, you have no idea what they're going through. Right. You have no idea if they just lost a parent or they're dealing with a sick child or they just lost their job. You have no idea. No idea. When you see someone on the street. Right. And if somebody responds to you in a, you know, in a short way, you don't know what yes. they've dealt with that day. Exactly. That is exactly right. So <laughs> I was just thinking of me doing this challenge. If I was trying to meet 100 people in 100 days, there would probably be so many people where I'm like, mm, I don't think I want to get to know them a little closer here. <laughs> like, uh, this person's a complete whack job. Is that is that what I'm attracting here in this world? <laughs> but of that, how many people, those 100 do you continue to stay in touch with? That's a great question. The last time I, I went back and looked, I was still in touch with 67. I haven't gone back and counted lately, but I would assume it's somewhere still around that same number. That's amazing. So tell us about your book. You know, I initially wrote the stories in the 100 days because I was posting every story every night on social media because I was trying to hold myself accountable. So I would post the stories. So I wrote it initially within that 100-day period, but then it took me a whole year to edit it and to put it together and to come up with something that I was really proud and happy about. Um, but one of the reasons I actually wrote the book was 
not everybody that's coming out of the military, transitioning out of the military gets to come to the classes that I teach. And I just wanted people to have a resource to learn fundamental skills for how to meet people because it's really not that hard. People make it a lot more complicated than it really is. Kevin, do you like to help your friends out? It depends. If our friends are asking me to help them move, then no, I absolutely do not like to help my friends out. (laughs) But what if your friend had a weekly radio show and podcast and just wanted you to tell someone about it? Yes, I could totally do that. That is much easier than me trying to carry a piano down into a basement, which has happened to me in the past, and you know who you are. (laughs) Friends, we are not asking you to carry a piano for us, but if you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. For additional content and longer episodes, you can go to kevinandsteph.com or wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. So to continue along with that, for people like me, and most people wouldn't know this, but at heart, I'm an introvert. Steph knows this, right? When I got into management and I had to attend all these work parties and networking functions, on the way there, I would chug an energy drink to get me to open up, talk. And Steph's like one of the few people who actually knows this. And I just, I could not stand those networking functions. So with you being an, an expert when it comes to this, what is some advice I guess you'd give someone who's not comfortable in those type of social settings typically? Well, first thing I would say is knowledge is power. So as an introvert, you actually have a better chance of having a great conversation with someone than I do as an extrovert. Okay. The reason being is you are a better listener. I want to talk and I have to pull myself back from talking. When you're going to an event and you're trying to meet someone, one of the best ways to do it is to be curious about the other person. So you ask a question, you let them share with you what they want to share. If you're paying attention then you can say something building on what they've said. So all you have to do is listen, right? The mistake a lot of people make is they go to these different events. They show up with all this anxiety like you do, right? I have to ask people questions. I have to have a conversation. And so you put all the responsibility on you to have that conversation. So you're thinking, I've got to ask this question. So you ask a question. And then as the other person's answering the question, you start thinking, I got to keep this conversation going. I've got to ask another question. What's the next question? So then you lose what the other person's saying, right? So so now- It's so true. He does that. Yeah. Well, because you're trying to be interesting, but the best way to be interesting is to be interested in the other person. So you ask them a question, something that will ignite them because it's really about them. It's not about you. It's about them and let them share what they want to share. So if somebody's, you know, so it's like you build on what they say and let them tell you their story the way that they want to tell you their story. That's so good, that Kimberly. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, listeners, for more information about Kimberly, you can go to her Instagram and Facebook pages at Kimberly Spate. You can also go to her website, KimberlySpate.com. And we will put all this in our show notes. But Kimberly, if someone wants the book, where can they get that? They can order it on Amazon. They can order it Barnes & Noble. Any major book retailer has access to the book. Well, Kimberly... I knew this was going to be fun. This was even better than what I was expecting. So Kimberly, thank you so much. Well, y'all are awesome. I I really have enjoyed my time here with you, getting to know you a little bit. And y'all are just delightful. Uh, Joe was right. Joe was right. Aw, thanks, Joe. (laughs) 
Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. It's completely free, you guys. This helps us out big time with the folks who track this stuff. If you haven't already, we want to encourage you to please rate or even write us a review on Apple Podcast. We need as many as we possibly can, even if it's just one sentence. Thank you for listening, you guys, and sharing us with your friends. 